0: And we are still thinking of a new intro, but welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Joshua Dolgoff. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Today, we are going to talk about UNC's 65-55 to 55 victory over the ranked Clemson Tigers on the road to improve to 11-3. Huge win for the Tar Heels, and then we're also going to talk a little bit of fantasy football because I finally... I feel like it's at least been eight years, maybe even more since I won a fantasy football title and it finally happened this year. Going to break it all down, I guess, with who was on my team, give out some fun awards like I kind of, um, I feel like I did it last year or something like that. But you know how we do it. We just jump right into these things. Let's start, obviously, with the Tar Heels. So UNC, after beating a very physical and tough pit team goes down to Clemson and wins by 10 to improve to three, 0 in the conference, this is another quad one victory. If this will for sure stay as a quad one victory and they did it with their defense. They held Clemson to one of 18 from the three point range. They held PJ hall in check with only 10 points, four of 13 from the field. zero for five from three. And that's largely due to Armando Baycott's play on the defensive end. R.J. Davis did a great job guarding Joe Girard, who was 1 of 10, for 5 points. Really, the only guy for Clemson that gave us trouble was Ian Shefflin, who had 11 rebounds, uh, 5 steals, and 4 blocks to go along with his 16 points on on 5 of 8 shooting. And then Chase Hunter, he had 8. Uh, He was eight of 14 for 17 points. Uh, So, but that's really all the damage that Clemson did. And it's because of how the Tar Heels played them defensively. They really uh, made them work for it. They uh, did miss him open threes, but they did a good job running Gerard off the line. I don't know why I led with what Clemson did first, but I, I think I wanted to start with the topic of defense because that's how they won this game. And that's how they've become such an elite team in the past few weeks. I mean, you held Pitt and Clemson to under 60 points on in road games. Uh, I mean, again, one of 18, that's a huge stat. They held Clemson to 36% overall. And then offensively, they just, they did just enough to, to squeak on by another rough game for, for Harrison Ingram, three of 10 for nine points, but RJ Davis and Baycott both had 14. Baycott had 16 rebounds. The team had 14 assists as a team, so I thought the ball movement was solid. Cormac had 10 points all in the first half, four assists uh, as well. And then I think a big stat, 14 bench points. In a, in a game like this, another kind of grit and grind. Buckets are kind of hard to come by. We only shot 42% from the field, 35% from three. Everyone on the bench getting a bucket. Uh, and, and most notably, those, those three-pointers by Paxson and Wojcik and Seth Trimble on I believe they were back-to-back possessions I really think gave UNC enough breathing room to pull away and then gain that that 7 to 8 point lead that helped them clinch the game. So I thought the bench was fantastic for UNC. Trimble had 21 minutes. Jalen Withers, uh, maybe not the, the monster or big game that I predicted didn't have to have, but, uh, struggled a bit at times defensively, but he did have six rebounds. So I, I, think he was an asset in his 11 minutes because with, with PJ Hall and Sheflin, uh, Ingram was getting a little beat up on the boards and I thought Withers did a good job in there just being athletic, uh, being, being physical and going to get boards second on the team and rebounds. So I guess my prediction was he was valuable, had, uh, some, some solid play. But overall, this, this Tar Heel team is rolling. Uh, we we go to NC State on Wednesday. To They are also 3-0 in the conference, surprisingly beating up on a, a, a very poor Virginia team. But, you know, you can't sneeze at 3-0. But even in these past few games when RJ hasn't shot the ball particularly well, 5 of 13, he still hit some extremely timely shots when we needed them. The, the pull-up jumper to start the game, that's always pretty. And, you know, a couple threes... But this really was an Armando Baycott game. For us to win, we needed to shut down PJ Hall, and he did that. He ha- he's gotten so much better defensively. He's he's gotten pretty solid at making good passes out of the post too. I mean, that- or even top of the key that that pass to RJ on that cut to the basket that was that was a beautiful play. I will say I-, I think the one red flag is I I think I'm finally starting to get worried about Elliot Cadeau. One of four, four points, nineteen minutes, got into foul trouble again. Uh, he can't stay on the court because of the fouls, but also I think offensively he's still just not looking for it as much. We need it. We just need two for four, three for five, something like that. Uh, the oh for two on threes, they weren't bad shots. They didn't look comfortable. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I, I don't think it's, you pull him. Obviously, in a game like that, when Seth's playing a little bit better, you roll with Seth. But I, I think we got to find a way to, to get his confidence up offensively or teams can just give him the leaky black treatment and, and leave him open. But the, the And the thing is, he's so dangerous with the ball from a passing standpoint that we, we need him just to be a bit of a threat. But I'll also say this with, with Cadeau. I was talking to a couple friends about it. I think he plays better when we play fast. He's he's more dynamic that way, and that's when we're really at our peak. These games against Clemson and Pitt have been really, really slow, and sometimes that's just how conference games on the road can go. When we're in the Dean Dome and the crowd's going, uh, going crazy, and they're cheering everyone on to just to play fast, you can really get out to some big leagues. But in in these road games, we've played a little slower. It's affected our offenses of uh, efficiency a little bit. But even still, a 10-point win against a ranked opponent, out-rebounded Clemson by, by 11, 8 more assists than them. Overall, we, we'll take that win any day of the weekend. And I think going through this road stretch, obviously State's last, but going, winning all three is great. Even two and three is solid, but... I'm going to put it out on front street. I think we're going to kill NC State. I, I'm predicting a 15-plus point victory. They haven't beaten anybody this year. I know DJ Burns is good, but Baycott has done a good job on him in the past. And then their backcourt just isn't the same as it was last year. I mean, PNC, I know it was rocking when, when Jarquel Joyner was going crazy with Terquavion Smith, but they don't have that level of talent in the backcourt to deal with R.J. Davis. So I, I am project, predicting a big, big win for the Tar Heels before we finally come back home to face Syracuse, and they have some guards uh, that we'll have to deal with. I guess to look towards the rest of the ACC before I get to some fantasy football, look out for Wake Forest. Wake Forest is on a nine-game win streak. They beat Miami at home by four, and this is after Miami beat Clemson by double digits, and I think Clemson got a lot of the hype to start the season because they started, what was it, 11-1 out in the out-of-conference slate. Wake Forest, I think, quietly, is becoming a top three or four threat in the ACC. And, and Steve Forbes, man, he just does it again and again with the transfer portal. Hunter Salas from Gonzaga, he's been incredible. He had 18-7, didn't shoot great, but he's had such a good year. Boopy Miller, Yes, that is the name, Oh, well, he has, it's Kevin, Kendra Miller, Kevin Miller, I, I, just as K Miller on the box score, but, he goes by Boopy, Boopy Miller, had 27 points, 10 of 19, hit all three of his threes, he has been electric, I have to say, I've been to Winston-Salem for a game, to cover it for the Daily Tar Heel, that stadium gets rocking, and those two guards, still got Hildreth there, uh, Efton Reed is another, uh, I believe he's also Gonzaga transfer, he's now eligible after the whole eligibility fiasco, but overall, this is this is a really, really good Wake Forest team, and I think they showed it against Miami, so I think that's another, another team we need to throw into the conversation, if I had to rank it right now, I'm going UNC 1, Duke at 2, I'm going to throw Wake Forest in at 3, Miami 4, Clemson 5, that's how I'd kind of give uh the rankings for the ACC. Virginia, I think they're done after losing by 16 to NC State. They're 11 and 4 already. Uh just I mean defensively they go up 76 points to state. Still a, a semi-weak ACC, but I think the top of it is really strong. We've got some tough games up ahead obviously, but I think with State and then Syracuse and Louisville should be a bit lighter than what we started with with Pitt and Clemson. Alright, so that kind of recaps the, the Tar Heels game. Let's go to some fantasy football. I hope everyone had a great fantasy season and hope they were able to take home the title. Thankfully, I was able to do that this year. I believe I my last episode before leaving was on fantasy football, which, yes, it was. We're going to talk about just the team that won it. So, my team, to recap... Uh, I drafted Pollard and Diggs on the one-two turn at ten and eleven. Got Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Jameer Gibbs, Keenan Allen. I drafted Darren Waller, but he wasn't good. Uh, I drafted Nico Collins, who was a huge hit. Cowboys defense, all that. I, I think the there were three huge pickups in free agents in, in the in the what do you call it? Not free agency, the waiver wire. That's what we call it. I picked up Kyron Williams. Yes, I don't know how I won him off waivers in the after week one, but I did. He was incredible. Picked up Rashi Rice as well for the latter half of the season. He was phenomenal. And then Dalton Schultz to replace Darren Waller, who was a, rather a disappointment. But I went 12-2 and two on the year. This league actually had week 18. So the first round was weeks 15 and 16. I won that by 20 overall, thanks to a massive week one victory where I won by 40. Then the next week, or the the next round in week 17, 18 face the second best team. I was up 0.3 after the first round and then ended up winning by 18 in the last round. Thanks to none other than Nico Collins. Guys, I love Nico Collins. He, I mean, after that Tank Dell injury, I, I which really sucked because Tank Dell's a great player, but I knew Nico was going to be wide receiver one for the rest of the season, and he showed it, and he showed out in that indie game. He had nine receptions, 195 yards for a touchdown. That really helped carry me to victory, especially when Jalen Hurts scores 0. .6 points because of he hurt his finger, and the Giants are killing him, and they pull him. Eagles are a mess right now. That's a whole That's another story, but finally win the championship in fantasy football. And this was a team I was a little worried about going into the going into the 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 final round or, or even the playoffs because Diggs was not having a good latter half of the year. Pollard was very inconsistent. I one of the biggest busts in fantasy this year. And then Keenan Allen was out for the playoffs. He did not play in a single playoff game. He missed the last four weeks of the season. So I was a little I was a little concerned, but I had good depth. Uh, again, Nico, I needed someone to go off. It was him, Kyron Williams, the week prior. Tony Pollard did have a good last game, but overall, that's how you do it. So going 14 and two for the whole year. It's probably my best fantasy team I've ever had for a 10 man league. Gotta say. Now let's give out some fun superlatives. Let's start with MVP of the year. Even though he had 0.6 points. I still think it's Jalen Hurts. Although that last week was so bad, Jalen Hurts at quarterback was the model of consistency. I have changed my entire perspective on drafting a quarterback. I'm going to draft a quarterback in the first three rounds next year and the next year and every single year because having a top three guy and a shoe in essentially for 20 plus points, man, such a luxury. Didn't have to worry about... I mean, he's durable pretty much. Uh, Yeah, he he didn't even play that great, but the rushing ability and just being able to go out there, throw for a couple touchdowns, rush for another, that was super valuable and not having to even play another quarterback. I played Hurts all year aside from uh, his bye week. Biggest disappointment, and this is amongst all of my teams. I'd go with either Tony Pollard, but the thing is I won and he showed showed up his last week, so it's okay. I'm actually going to go with Bijan Robinson is my biggest disappointment of this year. Not bust among my teams, but I just expected more out of him. Bijan only had three weeks over 20 fantasy points. He had 20 plus in the first two weeks. So after week two, he had 27.3 and then his next best was 19.8. And then he had 19.2 in week 16, but by that point I already lost because he put up 0.4 the week before. Arthur Smith, least favorite NFL personality of all time. I'm so glad he got fired. He's horrible. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know how much I don't like that guy. But I think Bijan, with all the expectations of he's going to be the bell cow, he's going to get all the carries, Arthur Smith just completely took that away. And it shows because they lost games a lot. Went 7-10 again. Gibbs was much better in fantasy this year. Bijan finished as uh, after the last week, running back nine. Gibbs finished RB10. But if you go prior to that, Gibbs was nine. I think Bijan was like 12. So I just, for a first round pick, I expected a bit more. I think most unfortunate situation goes to Garrett Wilson. Picked him in that Bijan league, which that team went eight and six, lost in the first round. I didn't even get to see the Aaron Rodgers tandem. Didn't get to see it happen. I was so betting on Garrett Wilson to be a top three receiver. It was a risk because he was only a second year player, Both Aaron Rodgers, he loves throwing to his top guy. Never got to see it flourish because Rodgers gets hurt on the fourth play of the game. Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, whoever else it is, Wilson finishes wide receiver 26. So unfortunate, not his fault. Still had a thousand yard season, but Knowing who else was on the board at that that time, taking him over CeeDee Lamb, taking him over Amon Ra St. Brown, taking him over A.J. Brown, that hurts. That one stings just a little bit. Biggest draft steal goes to Nico Collins. I mean, I might have to go get a jersey or something. Wide receiver 12, he finished as. He had some great boom weeks, even when Tank Dell was playing. He had weeks of 35.8 which I benched him on, 27.6 in week in week 2, which I also benched him on, but then 34 against Denver, 34 and a half against Indy this past week to clinch me the championship. Without him, maybe I don't win that. Uh and then a, a couple other 20 point games, he had double digits a lot. Nico Collins for a for a pick in the fourth to last round. Phenomenal great pick. I did a great job identifying late talent on the waivers and in the draft. Now, let's go to the... Let's do the award for the ban list. The player who I'm just not going to touch again. I got two answers. One is going to be Darren Waller, because I'm very disappointed in him for, as a Giants fan especially, for just not making the impact that we thought he was going to when we saw him destroying everybody in training camp. Not that primary target we expected him or wanted him to be. Very underwhelming season. But I think my other player, my other ban list, until I actually see some improvement, any Falcons player, not touching. They just can't get it right. Kyle Pitts, horrible usage. Drake London, one week he gets 170 yards, the next week he gets three targets. Make it make sense. I don't understand. Dijon Robinson, they got two other running backs in the backfield that they, for some reason, used just as much as him, even though they used a first-round pick on him, and they'll complain later on when they have to pay him, because he's a first-round talent. No more Falcons players. That's the ban list next year. And then I think, most clutch performance goes to Nico Collins as well, 34.5. I feel like that's all the superlatives I can think of. But I'm not going to go on my everyone-doubt-of-me little speech. I mean, there's uh, always some funny stuff about that. But it was a very fun fantasy season, even while managing it in Spain. was able to watch a few games every once in a while on Red Zone on, on Sunday nights because that will be like 7 p.m. But hope everyone had a good fantasy season. It's always fun doing it. It's always fun talking about it just a little bit. This will be obviously the last episode I, I talk about it. Uh, but 125 Unfiltered has claimed a championship before college is over. So that's cool. And on that high note, that is going to do it for today's episode of Sports Extra. On Friday, we'll talk NFL playoffs. Maybe we'll talk a little UNC basketball, like I always love recapping the games. But definitely want to talk about the playoff picture. We've got some great matchups. I'll give Super Bowl predictions, potential upsets. I mean, we've we've got some amazing games. Uh, we've got the Matthew Stafford Bowl with the Rams visiting Detroit. Mike McCarthy hosting his old team in Green Bay in Dallas as they capture the two-seed. And then we've got the Browns and the Texans, two great feel-good stories with Joe Flacco and then a rookie coach and rookie quarterback in D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud. we got Tyreek Hill going back to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs. A lot of kind of reunions, you could say. And I will bring all of those predictions and all of those breakdowns in the next episode. So stay tuned for that, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.